0: So glad that you're here. Now I'm guessing in Northeast Ohio um, that uh, we all understand potholes, right? Uh, that's something that we, especially this time of year. But look at this one. This one's pretty impressive. So none of none of you had to dodge that one on the way in. But um, one of my one of my favorite experiences are just goofy experiences in Honduras. I was in a city called Seguatepeque, and we had to travel across the city, and and in the broken Spanish that the bus driver had, it was a big yellow school bus. I and my broken English and Spanish, we, we communicated with each other uh, a story that happened every day um, that was quite fascinating to me, and that was that we'd make it to the center of town, and there was a particularly bumpy place, and, and then I would noticed him reach out and hand a little money out of his car to a guy outside, and um, so I tried to ask him, what, what was that all about? And he said that that guy was the pothole filler. So, so his job was to put a giant rock inside this massive pothole, kind of like this, in the middle of the city. Well, I was just fascinated by it. And like three days later, there was this huge traffic jam that involved that that center area. And he said, "Oh, the pothole filler removed the rock uh, to remind everybody how important he was." All right, so uh, so he is the resident tax collector for that. Now there's There's a moment when you hear this, and you say, "Why in the world would they not just fix it right and, and this morning we're going to study one of the best passages, if it's possible to say this of of the of of the New Testament, when we see the church being born, and the reason why I say best is that there's going to be a promise that's inherent in this message this morning that that the Lord Jesus, when he knew he was leaving, promised that there would be a day when what we see unfold in Acts chapter 2 was going to happen. And it's my suggestion this morning that there's a deceiver that wants to steal, kill, devour. He wants to to fill our lives with things that are less than what God wants to do. In fact, he wants us to fill our lives with temporary things that, that really do not measure up to what God wants to do in our lives. And there's a ton of these things. I'd like to think of them as empty substitutes. They're, they're temporary fillers that are designed to help us to kind of just get by. Whether that's an unhealthy medication, whether it's a dependence, it could be wealth, it could be something that, that, that fills our life, that attempts to take the place of what God wants to do. And this morning, this language of filling is going to be something that we see in Scripture that God wants us to be so filled with His Spirit that our lives overflow with joy, that our lives overflow with the fullness that God wants to do in our lives, But I I can't help but get out of my mind, I can't get out of my mind a statement that was said by Tim Lundy, a pastor who's talking about the things in our life that we have the choice to make. Yesterday was a leap day. You you had several people tell you via email or whatever, what are you going to do with the extra day? Did any of you see those emails or Facebook or something? I'm sure you all just sat around yesterday and just did nothing, right? Because it was an extra day. No, our lives are full, right? They're full of stuff. But he said, as a person, you have a choice to make about the decisions that you invest in, what you invest your time in, your treasure, your talents, what you invest in. And he said, there's some things in the world that are kind of like rubber. There's some things in the world that are kind of like metal. There's some things that are kind of like glass. And then he goes on to explain it. The rubber things are the things that are decisions that you make that are things that you could drop and that they're gonna bounce just fine. There, there's not gonna be a big issue with that. That might be like watching a Cleveland Browns game, okay? Uh, now, I didn't say depressing. I just said that it's not gonna know if you didn't participate in it, right? Um, so it's, it's one of those, there's a ton of those kind of things, right? Entertainment, video games, whatever. Like there's those things that we could do that, that you could really drop them and they're not gonna be a big deal. The, the metal ones, this is quite fascinating to me. They're the ones that make a bit of noise but they're going to be okay. And for some of us, these are, this is where we make lots of decisions about, like the decision to, to drop something that might be important. Like for, for some of you, I've noticed that you've made decisions about how you're going to live your life that may not be the same as the way the West, rest of the world is. You're going to invest your time into the lives of others. You might not drive the car that you would have driven if you had chosen not to invest in the kingdom of God. And so it might drop, and people might notice. It might make a noise, but it's going to be okay. But think about the glass ones. And he says, these are the things that we can drop. And for many of these, it's our family. It's things that are super essential. And this morning, I want to suggest that even if it's our understanding of God and what he wants to do in our lives, we drop that. And it can really damage it, right? It can be devastating in our life. And it can steal away from us the love and the joy and the peace, and the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the goodness. It can destroy those things in our life. And so this morning, I want to ask you to consider in your own life, what is it that is your that your life is full of? And are, is this this filling in your life something that leads to health and success and victory according to God's standards, or is it the empty things that the world around us promises us? Uh, Jim Simbola wrote an excellent book with the title, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And the, the concept comes out of this chapter two of the book of Acts as we're continuing our study through the unstoppable work of God. I love this image of the sailboat that's just flying. It's barely even touching the water. And What's going to happen in the early church is that they're going to be jump-started through the work of the Holy Spirit in such a way that God is going to do such a tremendous work in their lives that they're going to be both purified and they're going to be empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit in a tremendously unique way. And it's going to be quite profound. But, but this morning, for you to understand this message well, we're saying, we believe God wants to do that in our church. We believe God wants to do that in our lives. We believe that God has promised us the access to the Holy Spirit through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did for us through his life, death, and resurrection, that Pastor Jim just walked us through communion, that, that he can wash us white as snow through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I, I love this image. Everybody who's ever tried to build a sandcastle at the beach knows that if you don't pay attention to the waves, that that sandcastle, it's just a matter of time until it gets destroyed, right? So you work on your irrigation systems, right, to, to clear out the water so you can protect it. This, this statement that filling requires emptying is, is going to be evidenced by the way these individuals chose to live back a couple thousand years ago, that they're anticipating the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ in the work of the Holy Spirit. They're anticipating God doing something tremendously significant. I wanna turn that phrase around and I wanna say emptying proceeds filling. Now this emptying image is one where we wanna say like, Lord, what is it in my life that I'm allowing to attempt to take the place of you? What is it that I'm choosing to allow in there that is something that's just a subtle substitute for what you want to provide? Emptiness is an acknowledgement of the need of Christ in our lives. And if you'll pick back up with me in your Bibles in Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to read these verses. And as we study this verse by verse, we're going to just see that God does something phenomenal, in in the early church. He he answers this this promise that he had given them that there was gonna be something that was gonna happen that was tremendous. So we see this in verse one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So the Lord had challenged them to wait until he was going to return. Remember, we talked about this waiting process that he wanted them to be unified together. So here they are together, waiting on the Holy Spirit, and then God's going to do this this awesome thing and God's perfect timing. So Pentecost was actually a festival. Um, It is literally translated 50th, and it's 50 days after the Passover And and this would have been a late spring, early summer event. The weather was awesome in Jerusalem at that time. They estimate that some 200,000 people, some from other tribes, tongues, nations, that's part of what we see happen in this chapter, are gathering together for this great festival where people bring their first fruits, that they celebrate the giving of the the law of Moses. And, And this is just a great tourist event. People are coming together into the city and then... God, in his perfect timing, does this thing where you hear the wind. The word wind is actually pneuma. That's the word that we get the word Holy Spirit from. Now, if you've ever been through a hurricane, Allie and I went through one in the Bahamas, you can hear wind. Or if you've been through a tornado, you can hear wind. And it's so loud that it grabs everyone's attention. It's a marquee that says something unique is happening. So here it fills the entire house where they're sitting and they, they are in shock and awe of what God was going to do. You know what they understood? This is, this is so essential for us. They understood that they had a need in their life that only God could fulfill. I'm not sure if, if all of us have accepted that truth in our life. I think those empty substitutes can be things that we still say, but, but, but what about this? <laughs> what about this? But the Lord said to them that through his work, once he was going to leave, that the Holy Spirit was going to give them the capacity to do greater things. And I I love this statement that we need to be people who are willing to acknowledge our need, that we need to be willing to accept that in order to live the successful Christian life, it's going to leave us being people who are dependent that we people that say, Lord, we want you to do something significant in our lives. I've quoted it a couple times, but in the book of Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, there's this wonderful statement that's there. It says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is plastered on the wall of my home. And it, it's this reminder. Now, now the problem with this is, did you, did you read what it said at the start of that sentence? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, at my house this year, I really hope that we have a great crop of apples in our backyard. The problem is, we don't have an apple tree. We have an oak tree. So, so what I've decided to do is that I'm going to buy a bag of apples from Aldi's, and I'm going to get some twisty ties, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to you guys You guys are looking at me like i 'm foolish, but in the Christian life, what so many of us do is that same thing that we we see this truth in Scripture, but the fruit of the spirit is this is supposed to overflow out of a relationship where a person is abiding in in Christ and seeing the work of the Holy Spirit, and it produces this fruit. I think for many of us, we find ourselves in kind of a try harder mode. We, we see how other people live and we say, oh, if I just try to be nicer, if I try, does that work? It doesn't work very well for me. How many times have you tried to be patient? How is that working for you? But do you see what he's saying is the abiding work of the Holy Spirit in our life can produce this. I like the way that, that Blaise Pascal puts this, and you've heard this before. Uh, but it's so good. It says this, he said this, there is a God-shaped vacuum. Think of that as a hole in our lives. There's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the creator made known through Jesus Christ. What we see is that these individuals are going to be filled with the spirit. There's there, there's this great statement that full people lack nothing. In other words, they're filled with this indwelling presence of God that allows them to not be distracted by those things that want to creep in. I, I journaled this, and I, I think it's a helpful statement. It's, I said this, filling with filling that, um, what we end up doing is we fill our lives with exquisite distractions, unsatisfiable appetites, empty anxieties, Love of things that do not love us back. It's almost like the person who's driving a car that takes diesel fuel and you're putting gasoline in it. It just doesn't work very well. And, and there's a moment where it's gonna stop working altogether. And I can't help but think in our Christian life that that we find ourselves stuck in the middle of this just try harder thing. And what happened? 2,000 years ago, at the birth of the church, was this. It goes on to say in verse 3, it says, it says that th- this, this wind comes in and it fills the entire house where they're sitting. And the divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As I mentioned earlier, full people lack Nothing in this statement of being filled is a statement that we 're told in Ephesians five eighteen that, that we are to be filled with the spirit, not drunk with wine. it 's a, it's a powerful image. But did you notice in the text? There are multiple things here that are important. One of them is, is that this is fiercely personal. So it, the fire in the New Testament and the Old Testament often represents the presence of God. It also represents purification. So you think about the burning bush with Moses. You think about the, the pillar of cloud and then fire by night that led the Israelites. You think of of the, the actual presence of God on Mount Sinai and there's a pillar of fire comes down and a cloud of fire comes down. You see this this indwelling presence of God manifested by the description of fire. But what's so cool about this is that it's actually individualizing. The dividing is saying that this is going to rest on individual people. Now, these people were believers. They were people that anticipated the fullness that God could provide for them. Matthew 5, 6 says this. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, do you remember what it says? For they will be filled. I don't know what your story is. I don't know how you are approaching God at this stage in your life, but but that statement, don't be filled with wine. We could fill a thousand different things that, that could be substitutes for God, but be filled with the Spirit is one that describes a completeness, a wholeness, the, the indwelling power of God providing for us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us. Now, when we're told not to be filled with wine, I, I, um, I've shared with you in the past that I, my parents, my dad used to flip houses. And uh, one of the things that we would do is often we'd go into like a bathroom that had a tremendous amount of mold. And we'd use this product as an oil-based paint called Kills. Um, Which I'm convinced today was designed to kill brain cells, actually. Um, And so I was there with a friend working in a bathroom, and on the side of the can it says, Whatever you do, do not use with the windows closed. So you know what I was doing, right? So I'm using this product with the windows closed, there's a lot of fumes. And my friend tells me that at some moment, I don't say anything, but I just take the roller I'm working with and just drop it in the bathtub and leave them, okay? So that's step one. I remember driving home and thinking, when did they put four stoplights at this intersection? Uh, At my parents' home where I was driving to, thankfully no one got hurt, but they have lots of room to park. I parked in the grass. Um, Walked in, my little brother's sitting at the dining room table and there was a fresh baked pie that was there. And um, I asked Josh, what, what kind of pie is that? He said, I don't know. And so I did the right thing. I stuck my hand right in the middle of like, you guys are laughing at me, this happened, right? <laughs> now, now, what was happening, right? So I'm, I'm not drunk, but obviously I've, these chemicals are de- like, I don't even know what's going on, right? I fell asleep on my bed, woke up with a terrible headache and some pie on my hand, right? It's awkward. But, but what had happened was that I stopped engaging and somehow I was disengaged in such a way that... Now, do you notice my appetite was impacted? My discernment was impacted? My judgment, the, the... So there's stuff that's in our world that can do that, that can be substitutes for what God wants to do. But he wants to impact through the filling of the Spirit our appetites. He wants to impact what brings us joy. He wants to impact the decisions that we make. And here, with this dispersion of the tongues of fire, what ends up happening in this historical event is that people who were kind of considered country bumpkins, not educated particularly well, are going to start to fluently speak another language. And it's going to be spoken in such a way that multiple people understand it and they understand. So the gift was a different language, and those who heard it from all over the world are now able to hear the truth of God's Word in their own language. So the gift was to speak, and in this miraculous moment, there's this powerful purification that happens individually, empowering by God, and ultimately it leads to 3,000 people become Christ followers that day. Now we've mentioned that fire often indicates the indwelling presence of God in Scripture, and I believe it absolutely did. This fresh fire that was coming upon them—it also represents a purification process. I I guess if you've been in Cleveland, you've seen this particular stack of fire there. I'm always fascinated. I have a friend that works in the steel yards there, and um, I have been told that um, the Our Cellar Middle Cleveland plant is the most productive steel yard in the country. It's considered the most productive steel mill in the world. Um, It is almost a man-made volcano. They say that this process requires 1,600 degrees Celsius to boil, and the byproducts of this boiling process with the steel, the refining process, is carbon monoxide. Most of you know that that could be potentially lethal. And so, what we see, I'm told, by the flame that stands out, is they actually they're igniting the chemicals that are coming out, the carbon monoxide um, as a gas, and turning it into carbon dioxide that can be safely emitted into Cleveland, so we all don't die. Isn't that nice? So, so, so there's this this cleansing process, In the notes that I read it literally says this is a, a modern day version of a refiner's fire. That's what this is. It's refining the very breath that we breathe. And so here, the indwelling presence of God, as the tongues are individually falling upon each individual, what happens is that they're purified, and they're now utensils that God is going to use to glorify himself. I I love this, this idea, this image of these. I love this image of these flowing over to a point where where what happens is that other people are surrounding this and they're going to be caught by what God had done. They're going to hear this voice. They're going to understand the voice of God in different ways. And it's going to lead to this overflowing that happens. So individuals who've been filled, they are individuals that can overflow with the goodness of God. And this is what is what ended up happening, picking up in verse 5. It says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When we say in dwelling or dwelling in Jerusalem, we know that there was this festival that drew many of them uniquely to the city. And then this is what happened. And at this sound, remember the sound of the wind, the multitude came together and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and they were astounded saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, they're like, these guys are uneducated, rednecks from the wrong side of the... Nope. They were actually in their weakness shown to be strong because of God's power. Verse 8. And how is it that we hear each one of us our own native language? This was a miracle. It's powerful to think that the curse of Babel that separated and isolated people intentionally because of their lack of dependence on God and dependence on self is now reversed, and it's bringing clarity to into confusion and giving access to the gospel. It's fascinating that Luke in the book of Acts, whenever he talks about the filling of the Spirit, he talks about it with an overflowing component, that the gospel is shared, it's proclaimed whenever an individual is filled with the Spirit. It may be helpful to understand that biblically, what we understand about the work of the Holy Spirit, for those of us in this time in history, is that every person who becomes a believer in Christ Jesus is baptized with the Spirit. They are associated with the Spirit. This Spirit is a part of their life. But the, this statement of filling, which is a choice that we can make, or and elsewhere, it talks about walking in the Spirit, a volitional choice that we have, that we can choose to make space in our life to have the Holy Spirit fill our lives. The disciples, those that were in that upper room that day chose to make space and it and it turned into them having a front row seat to God doing something historically that was tremendous, beautiful, powerful. What we see is that there were a number of individuals from around the world. If you see on these lists, verse nine and 10 listing, visitors that had come from Rome and how the gospels spread to these places. In verse 11, it says, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. You know, this is one of the the more profound things for me in this particular portion of scripture. If somebody does a miracle, which I haven't been around too many of them. I've been around some pretty cool healings and God doing some cool things. I think the natural tendency is to kind of celebrate the person who did the work. But do you notice what they noticed here in this miracle? Is that their attention was actually drawn to the mighty works of God. So they didn't say, these people are clever. They didn't talk about their ability to manage. Like they actually just said, this is a work of God. This was about the mighty works of God, not the mighty works of men. And this overflowing of the gospel led to the birth of the church. I love this image of the seedling that is going to take root, and it's going to produce a crop 30. There's going to be 3,000 people who are going to come to Christ in this day, and you and I get to be a, an extension of the work that God would do miraculously. Just a hint, we'll study this next week, but in the next two verses, it reminds us that some people get it. Some people don't. It says this in verse 12, "...and all..." were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean, amazed and perplexed? Those are uh, two words that you don't see next to each other very often. Verse 13 says, but others mocked and said, they are filled with new wine. So, so they're, they're seeing this and they're saying, ah, oh, they must be drunk. <laughs> uh, they, they must, th- this can't be. But some understood that this was the mighty handiwork of God. That same mighty handiwork is something God wants to do in your life today. If there are things that you've chosen to allow into your life that are hindering your ability to be filled, you can laugh about my pothole story beginning this message, but there's things that we can fill temporarily that ultimately do not lead to life. But there's things that we can choose to fill with that lead to not just just life, but joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit, the choice that you and I have the privilege of making. 3,000 people that day are going to choose to embrace the truth of the gospel. I'm going to ask you to search your own heart and ask yourself these three simple questions as we strive to apply this truth in our lives been talking about it a lot, but what in your life needs emptying so that you can be filled? Uh, I want to remind you of those, those things, like the, the rubber things that, that can bounce, that are things that are really just not that big of a deal, the, the metal things that are loud that we drop, but that maybe people on the outside don't understand. But the things that we want to protect are the most essential things, the things that God wants to work in and through. And one of those is making provision for the Holy Spirit in our lives. This second one is more of a, a question to ponder, and that is why is it so impossible to live the successful Christian life by just trying harder? I'm guessing for some of you, church in your life, I love how many you know, students we have here, church in your life may have been defined as old people looking at you and saying, just try try harder. Be something that you're not naturally. If you just applied yourself, then you could be the kind of person that God wants you to be. And I just want to remind you. It's actually God wants to do a work through you and in you, not you just trying harder. And then the last question, the the picture of Niagara Falls sticks in my mind. Does your life show that you're filled by God to the point of overflowing into the lives of others? That's what he wants to do in your life. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and to pray with me as we um, continue on in worship. Just ask that you would ask these three simple questions. Am I just doing try harder stuff? Is there things that I need to purge from my life to make space to anticipate the kind of feeling that God wants to do? And are you personally filled by the Holy Spirit in such a way that your love and your joy and your peace and your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your gentleness, your long, that, that those are so understandable that people couldn't help but notice it because you really look like Christ. Father God, I come before you and I confess as I've wrestled with applying this truth in my own life that I think maybe it's part of the the job description of a pastor or maybe it's a just life stage or whatever but As silly as that image is of of taking twisty ties and trying to stick apples onto a tree that is not abiding in you, that could be my story sometimes. And I recognize that in this room, there's others that are like that, that we can do our best to aspire to those things, but instead, Lord, that you wanna do something within us to allow that kind of fruit to flow out of our lives, to bring you glory and honor. So I beg of you, Lord, I ask of you, would you do it? Would you do it again? Uh, Would you allow us to understand what it means to be people who are filled with your spirit? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.